0: Future City is made possible by McCormick and Company. Through its Flavor for Life program, McCormick helps teach kids and families in Baltimore how to replace salt, sugar, and fat. More information can be found at mccormickcorporation.com.
1: Hello, I'm Charles Robinson. Welcome to Future City, the monthly show here on WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. There are a number of challenges in Baltimore, especially in West Baltimore. For most, the image of a burning CVS during the Freddie Gray uprising is seared in the minds of those who don't know much about the city. Unfortunately, it's also where members of the Gun Trace Task Force terrorize citizens. As with any challenge comes opportunity. On this month's show, we put a microscope on the neighborhoods in and around the Mandamin Shopping Center. You can see images of the neighborhoods on the WYPR website. Anchored on one end is one of the first urban malls ever created by famed developer James Rouse. It's called Mandamin Shopping Center. Just south of Mandamin is the Coppin State University in HBCU, that once trained Black teachers during segregation and has spread its wings to transform a neighborhood that many had given up on. Lastly, there is a Baltimore City public school called the William S. Bear School. In its early days, it treated young people who suffered from polio. Today, they're doing God's work by educating some of the most medically fragile children in the city. Their treatments are cutting edge, and they never turn away anyone who is in need. But let's begin our conversation with a catalyst that will redefine the neighborhood in and around the Mondaming Shopping Center. Here's Tim Regan, courtesy of WJZ talking about the project.
2: This is the key uh, to the target building. And of course, you know, we're starting from scratch, so we have a lot of work to do. Really exciting row of retail businesses that are that are uh, owned and operated by local entrepreneurs.
1: The CEO and CFO of Whiting & Turner, the largest construction firm in the state, indicated he had been seriously considering the project since 2019. Reagan personally acquired the 8.3-acre site, which had been vacant since 2018 for $1 million and has projected a multi-million dollar follow-on investment in the property. One of the first phone calls came to members of the Greater Mondawmin Community Coalition. The Reverend Franklin Lance of Parks and People was on the call. So I am joined by the Reverend Franklin Lance. He is with Peoples and Parks. Let me begin with this. Um, how did you hear about the redo of the um, the Target at Mundaman Mall?
2: So, Charles, thank you for having me. And actually, I heard about the acquisition by Timothy Regan of the Target building from Timothy Regan himself. So there were a few selected community leaders that Tim reached out to about two weeks before the public announcement and informed us that something big was going on at Target, that he couldn't yet tell us exactly what. And then earlier that week, a few days before the public announcement, he convened us at Touchpoint and shared with us that he had personally purchased the Target building. Give me
1: an idea and give the public an idea of how monumental this is.
2: Charles, I, I love that question. This, this can be, and I hope will be, actually transformative for the Mandamin community. I hope it's a harbinger of better things to come. So please keep in mind that when Target when Target first announced that it was coming to Mondomin, uh we saw this as a great sign that a national retailer, a national chain, a big box store actually believed in the community that so many of us believed in. This is a community where Coppin State University is, where Baltimore City Community College, Druid Hill Park, Parks and People, Center for Urban Families, the mall itself, the busiest metro stop in Baltimore City. So we always believed that it had great resources. And when Target announced it was coming, we saw it as an outsider also believes in us as well. So just as grateful as we were when Target was coming, Target's announcement of its leaving was a severe blow to us. Uh, because now it said just the opposite, that a national retailer had tried to come to Mondom and had tried to make it work. And for whatever reason, and the reasons, Charles, are still unclear as to why Target pulled out. We get different stories from Target. Um, and so that was a huge blow for us. And we have wondered since 2018, since the closing, what would be there? Remember, Target owned the building. So Target had to say on to whom they sold it. And we've wondered for years what was going to be there. So knowing Tim Regan, as I do, the president and CEO of Whiting-Turner, and knowing that he personally purchased the building and then is working with us as community leaders to decide now what goes in it brings a huge beacon of hope for us because we do believe that something good will transpire.
1: Let's give the audience an idea of some of the ideas that are on the table. I know you had a big meeting to bring in a lot of stakeholders. Uh, Give us some ideas that that you see as possible.
2: So the first thing I would like to do is make sure and what we're trying to do is manage expectations. So even though it's a target building, it's 127,000 square feet. And for a number of people, what I need you to understand is, yes, we have some ideas, but everything cannot go into 127,000 square feet. So the first thing I want to do for anybody listening is manage expectations. So with that said, Charles, some of the things that we're tossing around is an event center, some place, some multipurpose event center within that 127,000 that the community and others can use. One, we also see an incubator kind of facility where we can work with Black businesses who have everything. They have a great idea, but They maybe don't have a business plan. Maybe they don't have access to capital. Maybe they just need a space, a brick and and mortar space from which to launch. So we see incubator space, event space. We do know that Touchpoint, which is on the other side of the mall now, will be relocated there. We do know that Whiting-Turner will have a small office presence there. And then from there, we're looking at other ideas. So we've tossed around a food house kind of concept, like you see at our house. Uh, we've talked about uh, food vendors, and so we've talked about some entertainment center. Maybe there's some place where people can relax and hear jazz and just relax for a while and get a nice meal. So we're, so the definites that we know are touchpoint, Whiting-Turner, we definitely want to do a food house. We're tossing around, will that work financially, an incubator center, some workforce development uh, complex, and then maybe even some mixed use. So we are tossing it around. Again, I want to manage expectations. 127,000 square feet cannot hold everything. This will not be the panacea that that solves all of the yields. This will be something that will be an initiative that will jumpstart what we can do, but it cannot be. Look, the problem is not monolithic, so the solution will not be monolithic.
1: Beyond the target there are many things that are going on in the Menominee community that includes Coppin State and um, various other stakeholders in and around that area. Does that give you optimism? Because obviously, in park, people in parks, you know, they were in a space that not many people thought was going to be cool. And now it's, as we like to say, you're on the cup of it. Talk about that.
2: I, I, so I would love to. There is a great deal that's happening in Greater Monde and thank you for me for granting me the opportunity to share. So as you mentioned, Coppin is having a major revival. So you now have a new president under Dr. Jenkins who's looking to do great things at Coppin. Um, BCCC, Baltimore City Community College, is also experiencing a revival. For anyone who has driven by recently, you see development going on on its campus. We have Drew Hill Park to our east, 775 acres, the biggest park in Baltimore City, one of the biggest parks actually in the country. And so we do see, and, and uh, Charles, you and I, uh, we were talking earlier about Frederick Douglass, and um, there's a Chase Bank, a brand new Chase Bank coming to Mondamin Mall. So for anyone who's interested, where you have the TGI Fridays, right next to the TGI Fridays will be a brand new Chase Bank, which should be cutting ribbon and opening November or December of this year. So there are a number of things going on in the Mondawment community. Tim Regan's purchasing the target just adds to this. So what we're trying to say to anybody, this is a place to be. This is a place where speculators would wanna come and wanna throw their hat because this is the place, this is the up and coming place. And the catchment area will be much greater than a one mile radius. If this is done right, and this is why we're spending so much time, and this is even why we have a PUD, a planned urban design, For Mondamin, we're trying to do this in such a way that this will be the archetype of renovation, of review, of renewal in Baltimore City. So there's a great deal going on, and we're just suggesting anybody come and join in what we're doing.
1: I want to kind of end on this, uh, Reverend Lance. One of the things that's always been very interesting to me is talking to future generations. What will? What does this time say to? The future.
2: Charles, I'm glad that that's the question on which you decided to end, because what this moment says to the future is that we believe in you. We believe in the future. This is a moment in which we're setting the stage. So there, there's a colloquialism that a lot of people talk about now. They talk about paying it forward. Charles, this is a paying it forward moment. We are talking about redoing the ball. We're talking about adding facilities like Chase, uh, Chase Bank. We're talking about Copping. C Frederick Douglass, the park. We're saying to the future, to the future, we are getting it ready for you. That we're carrying the baton now, but we're going to hand this off to you and we're going to give you actually a leg up in the race. You're going to have a community with resources that are the envy of others. One of the biggest parks in the country, a mall, a, a institution like Coppin, the JUCO, Triple a state-of-the-art high school in Frederick Douglass. We're saying we believe in you, and so we're getting ready for you. Get ready to take this baton and run forward.
1: I've been talking to Reverend Franklin Lance of People and Parks, who is a part of the Greater Mondawmin Community Coalition. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City here on 881 WYPR. We have to take a brief break, but when we come back, There is a public school next to Cobbin State University that has taken on the challenge of educating some of the most medically fragile children from ages three through 21. The William S. Bear School began as a place to treat children suffering from polio. Their mission has changed. I'll be joined by its principal, Zulema Shockwell-Moore. She'll explain the challenges and rewards of caring for this unique community. We'll be right back. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City, the monthly show here on 88.1 WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. On today's show, we're looking at the community in and around the Mandaman Shopping Center. In the Robert W. Coleman neighborhood sits a very unique research institution in Maryland. From the outside, it looks like a normal public school with school buses dropping off students. Many come to school in wheelchairs. Behind its doors are students who are challenged in unimaginable ways. This is education at the cutting edge for some of the most medically fragile children. I spoke with the principal of the William S. Bear School. So I'm always delighted to talk to my good friends, Layma Shockwell Moore. First of all, you're the principal at the William S. Bear School. The William S. Bear School has changed over time. Explain what that transition has been like.
0: Um. So, well, first of all, good afternoon. Um, Bear School started serving students in 1933. So we served students who had polio years ago. And over time, the school has changed to be able to meet the diverse needs of a variety of learners. So we have students in the building that have all different types of genetic disabilities, medical disorders. But what we want is to make sure that all kids are in their least restrictive environment. So they're in the place that allows them to access um, their specially designed instruction in the best way possible.
1: I think a lot of people will be surprised to know that this is a Baltimore City public school. And you take a little bit of everybody. Where are the children coming from that you're seeing today?
0: So all of the students that are at the Bear School are students of Baltimore City. They are residents of Baltimore City, and they come from all over. We have 27 school buses full of bright minds that come every single morning and want to engage in learning with us. We have a variety of students who have a variety of different needs. Our kids... um, usually have more severe and profound cognitive impairments. But we have um, a lot of students that are on different spectrums, things like that, medical needs, tracheotomies, G-tubes. But you know, the bottom line is, do you wanna learn? And what my staff does is provides a spot for them to be able to access learning, to be able to access therapy and provides a space for those families to be able to to engage uh, with us in our school community.
1: I know you have a number of partners that come to the school to help you facilitate this process. First of all, let's talk about the William S. Bear Foundation and what they provide to you.
0: Yes. Oh, my goodness. Our partnership board has been amazing. The William S. Bear School Partnership Board has um, partnered with us to be able to provide to us anything above and beyond what the city is able to give to us. So they help us with special projects. They advocate for our school. They help our students. And even more than that, they come to the building. And I've had board members that make cookies with kids. They read stories. They do all kinds of things. That they're really a part of the school and not just on the outside doing things, they are actually um, people that our kids know.
1: I noted that I've been to the school before, and I have been when it before you were there too. And that's always, that's always interesting to me. What I find, at least when I recently visited, is there is a bright and kind of like this welcoming environment. Is that by design?
0: You know, it really is. We know that our students are unable to communicate with us in normal ways. But we always are trying to make sure that we prioritize that our kids have something to say, and that the people that are surrounded by them, they have to believe that they can. So part of what we believe here at Bear is that students who have disabilities will excel if they're surrounded by people who just think that they can. So all of my parents, my teachers, my therapists, All of the people that are in the building, they are assuming competence. They're assuming that some of these kids can do more than they appear that they can. And because of that, it gives off this positivity. Now, it is, every school has their challenges and the things that they're dealing with, of course, but the base belief in the building is that we believe in there. We believe that we can provide for our students. We believe we can help our families. We believe we can do great things. And it's part of our school community that Gets together and says, "Look, what needs to happen for kids? What's the best practice for kids? How do we make sure that this happens?"
1: I note that I one in one of my, in my visit there, you know, I was used to seeing wheelchairs stacked up, and that's the only way to describe it. But you've engaged students at UMBC to come up with a different idea about wheelchairs. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yes, yes. We've worked with a variety of different colleges to be able to um, get our kids out of their chairs as much as is safely possible. So Some of our students have physical restraints that getting them in and out of their chair is a little more difficult. But we want one of our first things that we do when we get our kids into the building is to get them in any adaptive seating that they require to be able to access instruction during the day. So we have different classroom chairs, seats, trays, all types of things to allow these kids to access instruction. We also have partnerships with Coffin. We have partnerships with schools in New York that are coming up with um, adaptive trays that lean up for our kids to be able to, uh, to see the stories and the adaptive materials a little bit better. So we're always looking for what is the next thing. We never want to be stagnant in our special education journey because we know special education is changing and our kids need the people that are surrounding them to know what the next best practice is. So that's what we're always trying to do.
1: I'm glad you mentioned special education, because that label on children kind of deterred them from actual learning. But you're actually teaching these young people not just the academic skills, but life skills. Uh, Address that, if you will.
0: So our students who are in the building are starting, uh, first of all, they access the same curriculum as their non-disabled peers. So if it's a sixth grade class and they're reading this particular book, they're reading the same book in my sixth grade class as they are in the sixth grade class down the street. And how my teachers are doing that is that they are modifying the curriculum and modifying the content so that it meets that specific IEP objective. Every child in my building has something that they're doing individually. That is the purpose of the individualized educational plan for our kids. So they're all accessing the same book, but they might be accessing it in three to six different ways. So they, we are really working with our kids on their communication to find out what communication level does this particular kid need? What is it that this particular kid um, would benefit from? How can we modify what we're doing to meet their needs? We don't want our kids to have to change in order to meet us. We want to change ourselves to meet what
1: I know that one of the more interesting things that you're dealing with in this current environment is trauma. And you have tried to address it in a unique way and a cutting edge way. Talk to the audience about how trauma is affecting not just only the school, but how you approach it.
0: Well, you know, um, Baltimore City did a huge rollout a couple of years ago where they created intensive learning sites. And um, the Bear School signed up to be an intensive learning site for something called Wholeness, which is basically social emotional learning. We believe that our kids were dealing with trauma, were dealing with a need to engage their social emotional skills. And we were the first school in Baltimore City that was a separate public day school. That got approved to do to be an intensive learning center the wholeness. So in our building we have a wholeness room, and it's the most amazing place. You 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 get you you walk through the door and immediately you feel calmer. And there's low lights, there's music playing, there's a massage chair. They do yoga classes because we believe that even though our kids can't communicate, they're still dealing with some things that we have to help them express. And we want to be the place where if that child. Need someone to teach them what happy is, what sad is. How do I deal with my emotions? How do I express myself? I'm nonverbal, but I'm still having these things going on, and I need a way to express it. So our wholeness specialist um, uh, is absolutely phenomenal, and what he's done over time is he's actually modeled and made something that works well for children who um, who have a variety of disabilities, and it's been going now for many years
1: who's coming to that are these kids who have experienced if you will uh trauma because of their disability
0: well I- whether it would be that they've experienced trauma because of their disability, it might be that they've experienced trauma just the same way any other kid in their neighborhood would. They might have seen something or heard something, or a family member might have passed away who was a, a caregiver for them. There's a variety of levels of trauma. And then also, for some of our students that are coming to our homeless rooms, they are, you know, they might be working with a behavior, they may um, need to work through how to calm themselves down and, you know, being able to calm yourself down, even as an adult is a skill that you have to learn how to do. So my homeless specialist works on breathing, um, calming strategies in a way that they understand. So it is something that, um, that they use. My staff are also allowed to go downstairs to the homeless room, of course, on their lunch breaks and things like that. They are allowed to utilize that area and it is um, a calm area Um, There's aromatherapy in there. He has a massage chair. You've got to come, Mr. Robinson. Uh, But it is allowing, it's remembering the fact that our students are first and what they need is first. But in addition to that, my staff are the ones that also require um, sometimes assistance and talking through how to deal with the situation. The wholeness specialist also does um, affirmations every morning with our staff, just helping them to understand, you know, who you are and whose you are and just understanding the great thing that you're doing for kids today he gets them ready for the day every day
1: i want to talk about the neighborhood you're in Mm -hmm. and uh it is kind of it's been renamed the robert w coleman neighborhood (laughs) talk about how you fit into that that neighborhood and all the things you've got several educational institutions You've got the mandaman shopping center right up the street and this new infusion of cash to reimagine the old Target store. How do you fit in there?
0: So, you know, Bear has been here for so many years and you get so many people that say, we didn't even know that you were there. Uh, but we have um, partnerships with um, Coppin. I mentioned shoppers, just so many things where um, the people in the community have surrounded us and said, you know, you believe in what Bear can accomplish, and we want to stand with you. We want to believe along with you with what Bear can accomplish. The Greater Mandaman Coordinating Council also is a huge supporter of the Bear School. We have um, a variety of um, even just neighborhood people that come and they fill out the forms to volunteer, just really allowing us to be a part of our community.
1: I note that you're coming up on a graduation season. Yes. Does that get you excited? Uh,
0: Every year, every year. And I'm so excited to be able to do a graduation. Um, you know, when the pandemic hit, we couldn't do the graduations the way we normally would, but we have um, kids that are coming out this year. And the best part about it is some of the students that are coming out graduating have been at the bear school since they were three years old. Because bear service is between three and twenty one. So when they graduate at 21, some of these kids have been here that whole time. So we um we're actually one of the only schools that has so many graduations, so many um, closing ceremonies because we have something for the kindergarteners and then you have something for the fifth graders and you have something for the eighth graders. And then, so it is, um, graduation season always gets us so excited because there's so many things that our kids have accomplished and so many things to celebrate with families.
1: I want to get out of here on this uh, idea that you have reached out to me and said, Charles, we need some help. (laughs) What, yeah. what are you looking for and what 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 can the audience help you with?
0: You know, we are. First of all, we're always looking for volunteers. That's off the top every day, every year. We're always looking for extra pairs of hands that will um, come in, of course, clear all the clearances that have to be taken care of and help us in classrooms working with kids. But we also have job openings now. Job openings for beer school is actually very, very rare. We have our teacher positions. We have paraeducator positions. We um, usually, for many of our staff that are here at the Bear School, they've been here thirty-five years, um, you know, forty years. Some of our staff, you know, their commitment to these kids is just tremendously amazing. I have been here at the Bear School since nineteen ninety-eight, so we have um, years and years of service. But we have some of those amazing, amazing individuals are retiring. So we are looking to, um, to hire new special education teachers. We're looking for special education paras. If you are interested, please definitely reach out to us at the school. Um, my email is zsockwell, that's S-O-C-K-W-E-L-L at bcps.k12.md.us. And if you have 48 college credits, you are eligible to be a paraeducator or there is something called the para pro that you can take. In order to be eligible to um, to participate and be a paraeducator, my special education teachers, there are there's information online about the requirements for a special education teacher, and we are looking for caring people. I can teach you so many things, uh, Mr. Robinson. Um, I, you know, training and doing things. We we pride ourselves on trying our very best to work with people and to help them as much as we can. But you know, I can't teach you to care about kids. There's no class for that. So we are looking for good people that care about kids, that want to learn new things. And I want to help people grow. I don't want it just to be that you come in as a paraeducator. One of the questions that I asked her in interviews is, what are your goals? What do you want to do? How can I help you? Because I want to get you to where you're destined to be. And I want to be a part of your story.
1: That is Zulima Shockwell (laughs) Moore. And she runs the beer school. Yes, Please (laughs) check her out. And first of all, thank you for doing the work that you do, and for as long as you've been doing it. As I told you when we first met, you're not going to get rid of me anytime. Well,
0: you're family. You're a family. Your Bear School family. So we. It has been my hugest blessing to be able to be at Bear. This is this is what we love.
1: That was Lema Shockwell Moore. She's the principal at the William S. Bear School. You can find out more about the school on the Future City website. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City here on 88.1 WYPR. We have to take another break, but don't you go anywhere. When we come back, we'll hear from a Baltimore state senator who refused to listen to the naysayers who said West Baltimore was a lost cause. Charles Robinson and you're listening to Future City, the monthly show here on 88.1 WYPR where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. After the 70s going into the 80s, there was a sense that West Baltimore, specifically the Mondawmin area, was a lost cause. But like a phoenix, it rose from the ashes. Skeptics have written off the area so many times, only to be proven wrong. One of those who never listened to the naysayers is Senator Antonio Hayes. He heard of its heyday from relatives, and now he represents the area. I am joined by the state senator from District 40 from Baltimore City, Antonio Hayes, Let's begin with this, uh, Senator. Let's talk a little bit about this district because it, it it expands a lot. It goes exactly. a lot of different places. But I want to drill down specifically on the Mondawmin community because I think there are a lot of opportunities in that space that a lot of people may not have seen. Uh, so let's begin with that. Um, the Mondawmin community, What is it, what does that community mean to you?
3: No, absolutely. And thank you, Charles, so much for having me on. I will tell you, so um, I, I used to be able to joke that my district is probably the best gerrymandered district in the city. It extends from Central Park Heights down to Candom Yards, out to the county line, right before you get to Arbutus. Thankfully, with uh, redistricting, it'll be a lot more um, compact. But Mandamin, as as you uh, mentioned, is a community that I know really well. I grew up in the Penn North community, just not far from there. And Mondawmin has always been um, for West Baltimore, probably the the single place where you have the greatest concentration of retail and other services to the community. Uh, We were fortunate years ago, I I don't quote me on how long ago it was, but we were fortunate uh, with the renovation of the Mondawmin Mall, to attract several uh, stand up retail um, spots on the parking lots and other parcels. Um, MVA, as you remember, probably back in the day, was relocated out of there and it was replaced with several stores, but most notably, um, the Target. And this was a sense of pride and, and, and really exciting thing that came to the Mandaman community. Um, for whatever reasons, the Target Corporation decided to relocate. Um, and for the last couple of years, we've had a vacant building. Um, and most recently, we had an announcement uh, that one of our local um, businessmen, Tim Regan of Whiting-Turner, is going to take that track on. One of the things that you should know, Charles, after the uprising, Tim Regan and um, the president of BG&E came together and they said, what could we do as corporate leaders here in Baltimore to make a difference and they established an organization called Touchpoint whereas BGE and Whiting Turner takes on the responsibility of all the overhead costs but they house about four to five different nonprofit organizations that are doing work in the community and all of that come under an umbrella called Touchpoint so they have you know the Center for Urban Families under their roof they have the uh, the 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 um Baltimore Core program and a couple of other nonprofits that are already doing work in the community um, with the target part of the vision that Tim has illuminated for us is hopefully an opportunity to expand on that vision, um, taking um, building on touch point and having a space where other um, organizations that are serving the greater Mondomin community can benefit from under one roof.
1: I note that uh while the shopping center is huge, <laughs> and, it, and and it does take up a an enormous amount of space, but you have other potential opportunities. I'm thinking about Coppin State University and the uh, Robert W. Coleman Community. What do you see their role in all of this?
3: Absolutely. So, what Coppin State University? You know, I I often brag that I represent fifty percent of this. Historically Black Colleges and Universities in Baltimore City, because fifty fifty percent seems like a big number, right? But it's one of the two HBCUs that we have here in the state, um, and I, I think with the with the talent and um, and academia that they're able to attract, and the young people from not just in Baltimore but all over the region, and sometimes in other states and countries, um, it's it's a huge advantage. Um, also, to mention, we have Baltimore City Community College. There in in the um, community, as well as as you mentioned, Robert W. Coleman, just which excuse me is our local elementary school that just went through a multi million dollar renovation as a new elementary school, and very soon, probably within the next year or two, the same amount of of uh, construction is going to go into the historic Frederick Douglass High School. That school will be pretty much completely gutted and remodeled. Into a 21st century school. And all of this as a result of the legislature, even before I came to the legislature, passing a, a billion dollars, making a billion dollar investment in our public school system. And so literally in the Mondamine community, um, you could go from preschool, whether it's Head Start um, to elementary school to junior college to um to actually a four-year, four-year. Um, education as well as a PhD at Coppin State University. And even if you have a child who may have um, severe disabilities, we also have the bear school. And so, at, at least, you know, what, what I often say about the Madami community, it has already in place the entire ecosystem of the entire stretch of the economic um, environment right there in that community and neighborhood.
1: I know when the uprisings happen it put a lot of focus on those communities. One area in particular was North Avenue. You've been thinking out of the box on this one. Talk about this North Avenue initiative, because I think a lot of people will go, well, you know, that's the place where unfortunately a, a lot of bad things happen, but you're thinking beyond that, aren't you?
3: Yeah, I, so, like I said, I grew up in a Penn North community, so West Baltimore I know very well. I remember stories that my mom and my aunts, my great aunts, my grandmother used to tell me about how bustling of an area that North Avenue and Pennsylvania Avenue was. It was the place where you wanted to see a good play or a good music act. You could always come to West Baltimore. A lot of times, you know, people my age or, you know, this generation now, a lot of times when they want to go out to, you know, to an entertainment venue, they travel out to D.C. But from my understanding and talking to some of the elders in my in my family, the reverse was happening back in the day. People from D.C. was coming to Baltimore because Baltimore was where it was happening. And so one of the things that we've embarked upon last year, we um, you know, there's there's a lot of activity that's in the pipeline next month. There's uh, the old Madison Park North, um, right there at the bottom of Reservoir Hill, and in between Bolton, Bolton Hill, they're going to have a major redevelopment that's going to kick off at the Madison Park North site. That's a $100 million project, all market rate, 120 home ownership townhouses with a grocery store and apartments above there. Um, at the corner of Pennsylvania and North Avenue, there is a the first of its kind Zero energy affordable housing project with retail on the bottom and housing above that. And so, what we've thought about is how do we bring all of these isolated pieces together as a collective to build a whole vision? And so, we created the West North Avenue Development Authority, which uses Coppin State University and MICA as anchor institutions to help leverage additional investment beyond what is already there. And so, the West North Avenue Development Authority, we just um, bought on a new executive director last month, um, and we are charging that organization as it stand up. We'll have the responsibility of developing a comprehensive uh, revitalization plan of North Avenue from B three to Hilton, where we would attract uh, you know new businesses, uh, attract more home ownership opportunities, and residential opportunities along that north avenue corridor just a little bit of history i'm told back in the day north avenue actually used to be the dividing line between baltimore city and baltimore county uh today it sits smack dab um, in a city and from my point of view especially as a state legislator um it is the second highest travel bus route in the state right and so when you look at baltimore and you look at north avenue we want to bring amenities that the communities could use. And the reason why it's one of the highest travel bus routes is because um, the majority of the people that live in close proximity to North Avenue don't own a car. But if we have the amenities that they need, where they could shop, they could work, they could play right there in that neighborhood, um, you know, that's the vision that we hope to bring um, to pass uh, and over this next two years. We, we have to report back to the legislature in October of 2023, of what our comprehensive plan is. Micah and uh, Coppin, as two anchor institutions, are very much a part of this effort in making sure that they also use the energy and prowess of those two very important anchor institutions in our community to bring about the revitalization that the community is so desperately needed.
1: I want to get out of here on this, uh, if you will, Senator Hayes look at that crystal ball of yours and and tell me what future generations will take away from what your efforts and other efforts are in this uh in this environment.
3: Absolutely. I think what my hopes are that future generations will walk away um and and be able well one that they'll be able to participate um in a new ecosystem that encourages innovation um that you know, with, with, with phenomenal educational institutions, you name it from the whole spectrum from Robert W. Coleman to uh, the Bard School, the, which was the former Lamell Middle School Connections, Frederick Douglass High School, Baltimore City Community College, Coppin State University, uh, where West North Avenue will be known as a place that is rich in education and where people with innovation want to come and be a part of. Where new businesses, especially businesses that are owned by African Americans um, and people of color, um, are thriving, uh, and 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 they will have all the amenities that they need. Um, oftentimes, you know, right now, the as you alluded to earlier, the story of North Avenue is not that one, not one that Baltimore often like to highlight, and we we hope that over the next couple of years. It will be a place where everyone will want to live. It will be one of those desired communities that people will want to be a part of.
1: That was Senator Antonio Hayes, who represents the 40th District of Baltimore City. When we come back, I'll explain why we did a deep dive on the Mandamin community. Welcome back. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City, the monthly show here on 88.1 WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. With every show we create on Future City, we thought out a number of ideas. This time, we decided to get personal. I know the area in and around the Mundamin area. It's where I grew up. Mandamin was the first mall I ever went to. To date myself, it wasn't the enclosed behemoth it is today. I played sports on the grounds of Frederick Douglass High School. I attended Robert W. Coleman Elementary School, the class of 1969, the year after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. riots occurred in Baltimore. I was recently asked to come back to the school to talk about possibilities and the neighborhood this neighborhood grounded me. The former Coppin State College, now University, gave me and my friend, David Brown, a college ID after we beat a number of college students at ping pong. Those IDs allowed us to see an unknown musical group called, get this, Earth, Wind and Fire. On a whim, we decided to see a lecture by H. Rapp Brown, the Black Revolutionary and Black Panther. The speech was called Burn, Baby, Burn. He gave the same speech in Cambridge, Maryland, and the town went up in flames, and he ended up on the FBI's Most Wanted list. Despite everyone wanting to see the worst in this neighborhood, I see possibilities at every turn. You know there is a young person in this neighborhood whose academic skills have yet to be tapped. There's also a young man, a woman, who has an idea to put in context societal changes going on in the world. And yes, some of them are even dreaming of potential entrepreneurial pursuits. How do I know? Because that was me. I'm not trying to suggest these young people be me, but I want them to know you can go anywhere in the world coming from the Mundamin community. Thank you to today's guests for sharing their expertise and allowing us to hear their knowledge. Future City is produced and edited by Spencer Bryant and you can hear extended conversations with all of our guests and find out more about them by visiting wypr.org and search for Future City. You know we welcome your feedback. And you can always email us with your questions or thoughts about the show at futurecity, that's one word, at wypr.org. Until next time. I'm Charles Robinson for 88.1 WYPR and my producer Spencer Bryan and everyone who makes Future City possible. We hope your dreams of tomorrow become a reality. I'm your host, Charles Robinson.
0: City is made possible by McCormick and Company. Through its Flavor for Life program, McCormick helps teach kids and families in Baltimore how to replace salt, sugar, and fat. More information can be found at mccormickcorporation.com.